Welcome everybody to another great installment of Calvary Christian Center. We pray that today's message encourages you and inspires you like never before. So sit back, grab your notes, your notepad, and enjoy this message live from Calvary Christian Center. Ready for the word. Amen. It's my custom to stand for the reading of God's word. I came in here today and it just feels powerful. How many of you are grateful to go to a church where we just allow the Spirit of God to do what He does? I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. Is there anybody here today you need Him? Come on, make a little noise if you need Him today. We're in this season of dedication, and I believe I've got a download from heaven. I'm coming from the book of Joel. You by live stream, you honor us by being with us. Thousands of you watch us each week, and thank you for being here today. Joel chapter 1, I believe that God is going to speak to us today. I've been kind of captured over the last several weeks right here in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this. You elder, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Has anything like this ever happened before? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children in another generation. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Verse 10. The field is wasted, the land mourns, for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of man. Verse 12, Joel 2. Now, therefore, somebody say now. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart. <laughs> and not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and aren't you glad, great in kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Ormond, Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. And do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is thy God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. Verse 25, so I will restore 
I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass, it shall, not it may, not it might, but it shall come to pass afterwards, somebody shout afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He said, I will send you the former rain and the latter rain. I want to preach for a few minutes along these lines. I'm ready for rain. Is there anybody here today and you're ready for rain? Oh, come on. It's been so thick in every campus on every service. I said, is anybody ready for rain today? Slip up your hands, Lord. We are dry without you. We are nothing without you. We need a touch from heaven today. As I preach, I thank you that the clouds are gathering over this church. As I preach, I feel and sense that the thunder clouds are gathering. God, that it's about to rain in this house, that your spirit is about to move in a mighty way. You are worthy, Lord. Have your way and we'll give you praise. If you're ready for rain, come on and give the Lord of the rain a good praise right now. Before you sit down, tell two or three people, I'm ready for rain. I'm ready for rain. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us? Is there anybody here today? What a great second service crowd on this campus. I was wondering if there's anybody thankful today that Jesus loves you. Let me hear from you if you're thankful that he loves you. Yes. And one thing I've come to understand about God is this. God loves me too much to give me what I'm not ready for. I love all three of my children. I've raised two. I'm still raising one. I've come to understand, I've said this a time or two, that I think that younger kids sometimes are, are for younger folk because there's things I used to laugh at in my 30s. I want to take a shotgun to it in my 50s. Can I get a witness? But I love all three of my children more than I could possibly articulate to you. And all those that I'm a father to, I love them so much. And there have been times that they have wanted things in the process of being raised, but I had to say no. I couldn't give it to them, not because I didn't love them, but because I knew they weren't ready for it. I knew that they could not handle what they were asking for. So it wasn't the fact that I was trying to withhold something from them that caused me to tell them no. It was the fact that I loved them. Any parents in the house know what I'm talking about. And in the same manner, the loving, omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing God loves his children so much that he will not give us what we're not ready for. God doesn't give us all the time what we want. He gives us what we prepare for. Now, many pastors, I hear them say as I travel the nations preaching to preachers and pastors so much now, they talk about how they want revival. But truthfully, can I be honest with you? Church alone is messy. Just coming to church is messy. And revival is a whole nother level beyond that. Because if you really want revival and awakening, get ready to encounter desperate, starving, impetuous, unreligious saints. 
Get ready to deal with struggling sinners who want to be set free. And they'll come to church and they're imperfect and they're flawed, but they're looking for an answer. And church itself, you, you don't want to go to church where all the people are perfect because the truth is when you arrive, they won't let you in. Because none of us are perfect. Can I get a witness in this house? They, we're, if, we, if we have a church where God is moving, you're going to encounter desperate people. And if they show up to a dry house that has all programs but no power, this will do them no good. Because programs are good, but power is great. We need a church that is saturated with the move and the presence and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need the spirit and we need the structure, but I make no mistake today to tell you that we need the reign of God. We need the outpouring of God's spirit. Joel prophesies here in around 835 to 805 B.C. This was an incredible time, y'all, of declaration and devastation. What are you saying? I'm saying the land was in trouble. The people were in trouble. The nation was in trouble. But there was a declaration that came through the mouth of God, through his prophet. Because of their rebellion and insurrection, the people found themselves in the throes of the judgment of God. An incredibly huge locust plague was devastating the land. We read about it in Joel 1. It was consuming all the vegetation, all the grazing areas for the herds, for the flocks. These locusts had even eaten the bark off the trees and all the crops had been lost. And they had eaten the seed crops for the next generation of the planting and they had been destroyed. I read this week where the swarms were so big that they were the size of cities. And on top of all that, a famine and a drought had seized the land. Everything was either dead or it was dying. And the nation was in trouble. At this critical moment and juncture, there arose on the scene a man sent from God named Joel. Joel had fire in his mouth and anointing on his life. And his very name spoke volumes into the lives of people that he prophesied to. When you define his name, his name is prophesied or are defined as Joel, Yahweh is God. Joel's name simply means God is real. In the midst of rebellion, in the midst of immorality, in the midst of struggle and adultery and overall spiritual depravity, every time Joel rose to speak, his name declared that God was real. Joel's name means God is real. Through the name of this old prophet, God was letting the people know that even though you're struggling, I'm still real. God was letting the people know whatever I was, I still am. Whatever I ever could do, I can still do it. You're in trouble, but I'm still real. You left me, but I have not left you. You abandoned me, but I did not abandon you. You walked out on me, but I did not walk out on you. You tried to divorce me, but I will never divorce you. I'm still real. You're in a trouble, you're in a trial, you're in a situation, but I'm still real. I came to tell somebody today, sometimes... Sometimes you don't find out how real God is until you're in trouble. 
Sometimes you don't find out he's a way maker till you get out of the way. Come on, somebody. See, the devil thinks that trouble will hide God, but the Lord knows trouble will reveal him. The Lord will allow you to be abandoned and forsaken by those you thought you could count on. The Lord will allow you to go through stumbling and fumbling seasons where you don't understand why things are going on as they are, but he will allow it to show you that even when you're in a mess, he's still real. I came looking for some people who believe that God is still real. Do you believe he's still real? God wanted people in trouble to know I'm still real. Tell your neighbor God is still real. Yeah, 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 yeah. He brought me here to tell you he's still real. God wants you to know I'm still real. I'm real enough to heal your body. I'm real enough to change your child. I'm real enough to deliver your daughter. I'm real enough to set your son free. I'm real enough to bless your house. I'm real enough to bring revival. I'm real enough to open the door. I'm real enough to shut the door. I'm real enough to shift the season, I'm real enough to rebuke the devourer. I'm real enough to rebuke any hindrance. You might be in trouble, but your trouble's going to show you that I'm still real. Oh, I came to preach today. Is there anybody that's been through trouble and you found out in your trouble that God was still real? If you believe God is still real, come on, give him a praise in the house. feel the anointing today. I said, I feel the anointing today. Tell your neighbor, he's still real. He's still real. Doesn't matter how crazy your husband's acting. He's still real. Doesn't matter how bad things are. He's still real. The Jewish people then are in crisis, aren't they? Times were hard and life is not only difficult, it has become now unbearable and it reached the place where it was impossible. Have you ever had times in your life where, where you were in seasons where life moved past unbearable and became impossible? Can I find some real people? Have you ever had seasons where you said, I, I, I made it through that, but I don't know if I can make it through this. I, I made it through that season, but this seems impossible. And they were in a time where, where it seemed like things were impossible. And here comes Joel. Joel evaluates the circumstances. This prophet of God takes inventory of the situation. He hears the voice and instruction of God. And then he rises up as heaven's spokesman. See, how we need men and women of God to rise up in these days of crisis in America because our nation is in crisis and we need to hear the word of the Lord and we need to have men and women who will rise up with no other agenda but to release the word. What a thought, a man of God who will declare, I'm not preaching for my offering. I'm not preaching for the stage. I'm not preaching for my shot. I'm not preaching because I want a TV show. I'm not trying to be the next Joel or the next TD. Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching so I can gain a following on YouTube. I'm not preaching to improve my following on social media or Instagram. I'm not preaching to impress anybody. I'm preaching because I have a word and I have to release that word. I'm preaching because there is something inside of me that I cannot keep quiet about. See, we all love to 
quote Joel 2 that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We all love to quote about the rain, and we all love to quote about the restoration, and I'll give you back what all the locusts consume. We love to declare that the reaper will overtake the sower, but we've left out one critical component and prerequisite as it relates to the outpouring of God's Spirit and this release of revival rain. Because God said, I want to send you something, but I can't send you what you're not ready for. He said, I can't give you what you are not prepared for. And in Joel 28, the situation crystallizes when the prophet says, it shall come to pass, here's the word. He said, it shall come to pass afterward. God said, I want to send you rain. I, I want to send rain to my lost people, to my dry nation, to my desperate children, but it's going to happen afterward. I hear the Lord say he's prepared to send us revival. He's prepared to awaken something in this nation and in this house. He's prepared to move in ways we've never seen, in ways of recovery and restoration and an outpouring of his spirit, but he said it'll come to pass afterward. He said, I need to get a nation ready for what I want to re release. See, see, I want to tell you, if there's people in the room that are ready to say with me, God, whatever you want to do, and however you want to move, and however you want to get me ready, get me ready, because I don't want another dry season. I don't want my children to go to hell in a handbasket. I don't want my city to not have revival. I don't want my nation to walk away from God. So if you're looking for somebody willing to do your, their part, you don't have to look down the road or across the street. You don't have to look to another city. You can look right here on my row because I want you to move. If that's you, get ready for rain. Some of y'all come to Calvary because you're ready for rain. If you're ready for rain, if you say, God, whatever it takes, send us something, I want you to make a little noise in the room right now. See, before we can experience the fullness of God, we got to do the things that Joel instructed his people to do. Joel was very plain, y'all. He left no guessing. He said, these are the things that must be done. God used him as a voice to leave no doubt. And in Joel 2.17, he says something critical here. Now, don't miss it. He said, let the priest who minister to the Lord weep. Somebody say weep. Weep between the porch and the altar. I wouldn't give you two cents for a preacher that wouldn't weep over lost people. I want to show you a picture here, and I want you to see it in your mind. And I want you to understand what the prophet Joel is describing. He is instructing the priest of the day to weep between the porch and the altar. I want you to understand how the temple in his day was laid out because the porch was the place where the Jews stood. It was a covered porch, and the altar was the brazen altar of sacrifice. And between them, there was an area called the weeping zone. And he said, let those who minister, the priest, weep between the porch and the altar. See, the porch was the place where just lost Jews stood. They would stand there in desperation. They were hungry. They were dry. 
dry. Their nation was messed up. And here's what the prophet said. He said, I need somebody that will get between the porch of man and the altar of God. He said, I've got to get, I gotta get some priests there that will weep between the porch and the altar. The porch represents the place of many, while the altar represents the place of God. And, the, and God there needed someone to stand in the gap, to get between the porch of man and the altar of God, to somehow get between a holy God and a hurting people and in a seed and in a vein and weep for the condition of the nation. In that zone, the weeping zone, the priest would weep and wail for the people. In that zone, the priest is broken for what has broken the heart of God. And in that weeping zone, he cries out. You say, preacher, what does that have to do with me? That has nothing to do with me. I'm not a priest. Well, let me tell you what Peter said. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You've been saved to be a nation of kings and priests. God said, I want to use you in this way that you will weep between the porch and the altar. It's time for us as the royal priesthood to get in position and can I tell you what you do in that position you weep for the lost you intercede for our nation you stand in the gap in order to intercede for others I'm gonna preach today y'all I feel this in my spirit Joel spoke to a, of a plague of locusts and we're in the midst of an America in a plague of sin and death and everything hell is launching against our nation is an assault against what God wants to do and it is time for the royal priesthood to enter into the weeping zone. It is time for us to become a bridge between two worlds. It is time for us to get between the porch of man and the altar of God and say, you cannot have my daughter. You cannot have a generation. You cannot have my children, and you cannot have my nation. The great need for this nation and this lost world is not better sermons. It's not better songs. If songs and sermons could save the world, the world would have been saved a long time ago. You say, Jim Rady, what does the world need? What does America need? The world needs gap people. We need travailing tears, and we are only truly travailing when we feel their hurt and their pain. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 9, 1, he said, Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes were a fountain of tears. And he said, I would weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He said, I would intercede. He said, if I could cry day and night, if it would shift them, if it would change them. He said, I would cry day and night. He said, I would get between the porch and the altar. When was the last time you cried over the lost? When was the last time that you were broken over the lost? He said, I would weep day and night. I would intercede. See, intercede needs to, means to intervene. It's an intervention. It means to get between. He, 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 he said, I would get between. I would intercede. I would intervene. I would get between the porch and the altar. See, some of y'all right now, you need to understand that the devil doesn't want you to know it, but every time you pray, Pray for your son, it's an intervention. 
Every time you pray for your daughter, it's an intervention. The devil wishes that you would leave them alone and let them stay where they are. But every time you get on your knees and you say, I'm coming in the mighty name of Jesus, and I am declaring that my child shall be delivered and my family will serve the Lord, it is an intervention. Every time we pray for our nation, it is an intervention. I wonder, are there any gap people at Calvary today? We must be broken for broken people. That's what will open the heavens. See, brokenness on earth creates openness in the heavens. Don't miss it. Write it down. I said brokenness on earth creates openness in the heavens. See, tears turn on the faucet of God's compassion. And the thing gets real because here the people are in Joel's day and they're instructed to weep. God wanted to send them natural rain, but more than they needed natural rain, they needed revival rain. And America needs revival rain. And I was overtaken as I was studying the book of Joel because the words of the prophet were so powerful because God used him to address the famine, but not only the famine, he addressed the farmers. He addressed the farmers and the vine dressers, the people who were responsible for the harvest. And listen to what he said. He said, be ashamed, you farmers. He said, farmers, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He said, well, you vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. He said, the vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. He said, you farmers, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He said you had one job, and your job was to bring in the harvest. You were to plant, you were to tend, and you were to bring in the harvest, but you joined everybody else. You acted just like everybody else, and you entered into the adultery, and you entered into the compromise. And because of your spiritual condition, you were on the earth to bring in a harvest, but you were not ready for the rain because you joined in with everybody else in adultery. And here's the problem with you. You're not taking it personal and you're not taking it seriously. He said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He said, because a lot of this is on you. You had one job, and your job was to bring in the harvest. But because of your behavior, because you got your eyes off the harvest, you missed what I wanted to bring, and you were not ready for the rain that I wanted to pour out. Now, there's no harvest, and now the people are perishing. And he said, he said farmers and vine dressers, you should be ashamed of yourself. And let me tell you something. The church ultimately on planet earth has one chief job that is more critical than anything else. Our job is not to build big buildings. Our most critical job is not to have effective programs or to become politically or socially consumed. We have one main and crucial purpose that is more than anything else and it's important and it is to bring in the harvest. Oh, I don't know where shouting people are now, but I'm going to preach. 
Any church that don't care about the lost ain't really a church because our job is to bring in the harvest. And I want to tell you, any church that is not consumed with bringing in the harvest, if you're a preacher and you're watching me, hear my heart. You should be ashamed of yourself. If you don't care about the lost in your city, you should be as ashamed as that farmer and that vine dresser was in the days of Joel. The church has to take the harvest personally. We have to take lost people personally. We have to take sin personally. We've got to bring in the harvest. Until we become a voice to this generation and refuse to be swallowed up, hear me, by hell's agenda, we ain't ready for the harvest. Until we stop allowing the devil to divide us, we're not ready for the harvest. Until we, we stop allowing the devil to divide us within the church, not only are we not ready for the harvest, you're not ready for the rain. Come on now. Listen, if you refuse to speak out against racism, you're not ready for the rain. If you refuse to speak out against racial profiling, you're not ready for the rain. Racial profiling is all good till it's your son. Oh, Y'all ain't, ain't gonna shout today. Racial profiling is a travesty and, un, and it should be unacceptable for a person of any ethnicity to, to be pulled over because of the color of their skin. If you are judging people simply due to the color of their skin, you ain't ready for rain. Oh, preach Pastor Rayleigh. Racism goes all different kind of directions. Don't just think it's white to black or black to white. I know people who are Latin, Asian people, people who are racist and think they're better than anything else. Let me tell you something. I don't care what color someone is. I care about what's on the inside of them. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't care. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care what color somebody is. Y'all say, well, you know, I think Jesus was white, I think Jesus was black. I don't care if Jesus was black, I don't care if he was white, I don't care if he was light-skinned, I don't care if he's suntan. I don't care if he's striped. Because when God sent Jesus, God made sure that all people understood we are not saved because of his skin, we are saved because of his blood. You get right down to the brass tacks, man. My muscles are just like yours. My blood is just like yours. And your soul ain't even got a color. Can I get a witness? I've come to tell you, you get bent up and out of shape and you think you're better because you're a certain color, I'm gonna really mess you up. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's red, yellow, black, and white. I wish I had somebody here who would say, I'm ready for rain. Pour it out on my white brothers. Pour it out on my black brothers. Pour it out on my red brothers. Pour, pour it out on my Asian brothers. Pour it out on African Americans. Just pour it out. You still caught up in racism? You ain't ready for rain. Sir, if you're trying to preach and you're a racist, sit down. You ain't ready for rain. If all you can do is divide a nation, you ain't ready for rain. Let me, get, let me go a little bit further and see if you'll shout. If you believe a 12-year-old should be allowed to decide a preteen whether or not they want a sex change, you ain't ready for rain. Oh, y'all were just shouting a minute ago, and now it's getting quiet in here. 
If you believe that a nine-year-old ought to be helped by a political leader to come out as homosexual, you ain't ready for rain. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. If you believe that rhetoric that brings racism from our leaders shouldn't be addressed, you ain't ready for rain. I don't want my nine-year-old daughter or son talking about anything sexual with anybody. I don't want my nine-year-old daughter to stand on the stage and say, I intend on having sex with a man when I'm of age. No, you know what I want my nine-year-old doing? I want them to learn how to add and subtract and do multiplication. I want my nine-year-old daughter that's what I want. I want our children to be children. Can I get a witness in this house? If that don't offend you, you ain't ready for rain. You ain't ready for rain. You ready for something, but you ain't ready for rain. If post facto abortion don't offend you, if a governor would say, hey, they take that baby out of the womb and then decide whether they, if that doesn't offend you, you ain't ready for rain. Oh, well, y'all were, were just shouting a minute ago, but now you got quiet on me. Huh? I read this week where four legislators, there was legislation that was brought forth that would make lynching a federal crime. And there were four legislatures, one from Florida, that actually voted against it. If you think that's okay, you ready for a lot, but you ain't ready for rain. It is time for preachers to stand up with no political agenda and not be anybody's puppet and say, I don't care if you're an elephant or a donkey, I'll offend you the moment that you cross the line and you don't line up with the word of God. That's when you're ready for rain. I'm looking for some people that are ready for rain. Make a little noise in the house. God give us some preachers who ain't in anybody's hip pocket. God give us some men and women of God who are ready for rain. The church has got to take the harvest personally because our chief responsibility is the harvest. Now, here's what he said. Joel 2, he said, rend your heart and not your garments. God was saying, don't just tear your garments. Stop just trying to look good on the outside. I see you looking good on the outside, but what I want is the real you. God said, I'm after the real you. Push your neighbor and say, he's after the real you. God is after the real you, not the Facebook you. Not the Instagram you. Not, not the church you. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Not, not, not the second row you. God is looking after the real you. He's looking for the you that's home with your family. He's looking for the real you. He said, rend your heart and not your garment. Then he said, and afterward, afterward. Somebody shout afterward. Yeah, yeah, hey, he said, afterward I'll send the rain. And here's what I want to tell you. Just before I try to finish this thing, rain changes everything. Tell your neighbor, rain changes everything. Yeah, yeah, when it starts raining, people start loving each other. When it starts raining, addiction falls apart. When it starts raining, man, things shift. I'm ready for rain. 
Now watch what it says here. It said in verse 23, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, uh-huh, and the latter rain when? In the first, in the first month. The, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine. This is powerful here because the blessings here that God promises when the rain falls are all kind of blessings. They're spiritual blessings. They're physical blessings. They're emotional blessings. They're financial blessings. You see, wheat is used to make bread. Bread represents his word. When the rain falls, the word is going to be preached at another level. The world is going to be filled with fresh revelation. I heard the Lord say to me this week, get ready for a fresh bread revival. Some of y'all are here today and you came for the bread. You didn't come for the preacher, you came for the bread. Come on now, you don't care if the chef is red, yellow, black, and white, you don't care if he's green, because you came for the bread. Tell your neighbor, I came for the bread. Yeah, yeah, I came for the word. I came because I knew Jim Rayleigh, country and all. He would stand up and he would preach the word to me that would shake me up and set my family free. How many of you came for the word? I didn't come to be religious. I came for the word. I came for the bread. Tell your neighbor, say, pass the bread. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pass the bread. Pass the bread. If you're ready for rain, get ready for the word of God to be preached like never before. But then he said, your vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Wine and oil represent the Holy Ghost. Get ready for wine and get ready for oil. Get ready for the shindarabohosa. Get ready for an outpour. I wonder are there any Pentecostal people in this house today get ready for the oil get ready for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost hallelujah a last day's outpouring that cannot be contained in a building it's going to overflow he said your vats shall overflow tell your neighbor get ready for overflow yeah, 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 yeah. I'm ready for overflow. I'm ready for overflow. I'm ready for overflow. There's a time to rejoice because God always responds when people get desperate. We are hungry for fresh oil. Lord, send the rain. I don't want to just get by. I want overflow. I don't want to just survive. I want overflow. I don't want to limp alone. I want overflow. He said, be glad. Push your neighbor and say, be glad. Be glad. If you define it, it means this. It means to spin around and rejoice. I want you to understand that this may be too much for good old religious people, but you know what he's telling the folks? He said, get excited. I'm about to move everything. Everything. Tell your neighbor everything. Not just everything, but everything is about to change. When I pour my spirit out, I've come to tell you, church, it's time to get excited. It is time to rejoice in the Lord. It's, uh, tell your neighbor, say, excuse me. Yeah, excuse me if I shout. Excuse me if I holler. Excuse me if I dance. Excuse me if I run. Excuse me if I fall out. Excuse me if I cry. Excuse me if I spin. But I've been hanging on to heaven. I've been believing and I can't take another day if God don't pour out his spirit. Excuse me.
about five, three or four people and say, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Somebody give the Lord a praise right now. Because he, here's what he said he's gonna do. He said, I'm gonna send the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The former rain is the planting rain and the latter rain is the harvest's rain. In other words, he said you'll be underneath an anointing where you'll be trying to sow. And while you're trying to sow, your reaping will overtake your sowing. That before you can even get seed in the ground, that you're gonna begin to reap a harvest that you did not even plant. Tell your neighbor, it's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural thing. The implication is strong. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about awakening. He said, because you'll reap faster than you can sow any logical person, anybody with any sense, they know that natural laws govern reaping and sowing, that you cannot reap where you have not sown, but that's when God comes on the scene, oh Jesus. He's not bound by natural law. It's a time when God does things sovereignly. Tell your neighbor he's about to move sovereignly. When his reign comes to reconcile, to renew, refresh, revive, and restore. God, I gotta finish, but tell your neighbor, get in position. Get your family in position. Get your row in position. The refreshing rain of God will cause you to harvest fruit where you have not even sowed in the land. You'll sense yourself right in the middle of dryness and desolation and all of a sudden, God's rain will come before you can pray a prayer, before it can enter your mind. The answer will manifest. You'll be sick one minute and wail the next. You'll feel a lump in your breast. And before you can go to the doctor to have it checked out, It'll be gone. It's time for Satan to be beat back. It's time for the devil to know that we serve a miracle working God. Your children will be rebellious one minute, disrespectful one minute, and the next minute they'll be saved, sanctified, and talking in tongues. Your husband will be drunk one week, and the next week he'll be ushered in the church. You'll go from broke to blessed, from sick to well, from victim to victor. I need somebody who believes it. Give God a shout right now. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Say, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for rain. Be glad, be glad, be glad, be glad. Rejoice, spin around. Get happy. Are you happy? Do you believe it? Can God do it? Are you ready? Get ready for rain. Spin around. Rejoice. Be glad. You've been depressed. 
Be glad you've been worried. Be glad you've been upset. Be glad God's going to do it. Get your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, say, I don't know about you, but in Jesus' name, I need a minute to praise God because I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for I'm not ready for religion. I'm ready for rain. I'm not ready for denominationalism. I'm ready for rain. God, I'm ready for rain. I'm not ready for just predictable church. I'm not ready just to go through the motions. Tired of all that. I'm ready for I'm, I'm dry. I'm tired. I'm fighting. I don't feel what I used to feel. But today, I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. I got my eyes off the harvest. I allowed things that didn't matter to come to the forefront. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna rend my heart and not my garment. This repentance has nothing to do with you. I'm not trying to impress you. I just want the Lord to know I'm ready for rain. So if I've got to weep between the porch and the altar, whatever I got to do, I'm ready for rain. I want everybody here today that's ready for rain. I want you to slip up your hands right now. I feel like God is doing something. I don't want anybody to leave. It would be dishonoring right now. If you're desperate, you're ready for rain. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, I want you to come stand up here right, real quick right now. Come on. It's time for the rain. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Nobody leave. John, sing that for me, son. Sing it. It's the cloud of your glory. It's an outpouring. Our hearts are open wide. We're ready for rain. Somebody raise your hands and sing it with me. Come on. In desperation 
something in this room. Come on, raise your hands and it's sing. It's a cloud of your glory. It's an outpouring. Our hearts are open. wide. we're ready for rain. Sing it again in desperation. In desperation. There are no I just feel something gathering over this room right now. Sing it again, Pastor John. It's a cloud of your glory. It's an outpouring. It's an outpouring. Our hearts are open. Why are we ready for it? In desperation. it on your heart right now and I want you to raise your other hand and I want you to pray this prayer after me everybody pray it strong pray it loud come on we're going to recommit ourselves to the Lord but then we're also going to ask God to send the rain so pray this after me now pray Heavenly Father Heavenly Father come on everybody in the house pray it out loud and strong pray Heavenly Father Heavenly Father today is the day today is the day that I repent Fresh and new. Fresh and new. Forgive me. Forgive me. Of anything. Of anything. That has kept me from you. That has kept me from you. I repent. I repent. Of all my sins. Of all my sins. Today, Lord. Today, Lord. Today, Lord. Today, Lord. I need you. I need you. I rend my heart. I rend my heart. From the inside out. From the inside out. I say, have your way. I say, have your way. I've been trying it my way. I've been trying it my way. My way is not working. My way is not working. There's a better way. There's a better way. There's a higher way. There's a and that's your way. That's your way. I need that rain. I need that rain. I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I call on you now. I call on you now. And I tell you, Lord. I tell you, Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for rain. I'm ready for rain. I'm ready for whatever you want to send. I'm ready for whatever you want to I'm ready. I'm ready. Hold up your hands now and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Have your way. Come on. Tell him I'm ready. Lord, move any way you want to move. I'm ready. Lord, change me the way you want to change me. I'm ready. Have your way in my church, in my nation, in my life. I'm ready. If you're ready, I want you to give God a praise right now and say, I'm ready. So for all you that have come forward today, I pray for you right now. Stretch your hands out toward them. I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that you're, this is your season of rain. This is your season of miracles. Those of you that didn't come but you're receiving, I'm declaring that this is your season of miracles. That the reaper is going to overtake the sower, that the former and the latter rain are going to come together. And this is a time where we're going to see revival in our campuses and you're going to see breakthroughs in your home like you've never seen before. We give God all the glory. Now if you receive it, I want you to give the Lord the great big ovation of the day. Come on and give the Lord a praise. 
Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it inspired you in every single way. For more information about Calvary Christian Center or to give, you can go to calvaryfl.com and be sure to subscribe and like this podcast. And we will see you next week here on the Calvary FL Podcast.